Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Kevin Martledge, and I'm a senior consultant at .org Source and your host for today's Association 4.0 podcast, where we continue our discussion with Beth Taylor and Randy Wilson from PCI in Chicago, Illinois. Our last episode, part one, focused on the importance of team culture and how you can continue to develop that to enhance the overall effectiveness and support of your team in a lot of different ways. We look forward to continuing our discussion and appreciate you joining us for part two of our Association 4.0 podcast. You know, you both have a unique career path that has allowed you to work in a variety of different environments and industries. And we won't go into those specifically on this, this episode, but Randy, as you think back about the best work environment you've ever worked in, um, what are some of the key things that made you feel that way? <clears throat> well, uh, there's a couple things. Um, first of all, managing people or a group of people is extremely challenging. That's just the arguably the most important aspect of a successful company. One of the most difficult things for a successful company uh, is you're always talking about people, right? But um, it's really kind of hard not to use a sports analogy on this one because um, I know some people don't like that, but putting the right players in the right position is key. Um, you know, you know, if you put Tom Brady, arguably the best quarterback that ever played the game, again, is you put him on the defensive side of the ball. It's probably pretty damn hard to manage him over there, but when you put him, put him over under the center, it's pretty easy to let him, let him go because that's where his, his natural abilities are. That's where he's, he's really trained. I think, one of the advantages PCI has as an association is, is that we were, we are able to tap into so many different avenues when it comes to um, our personnel. Um, and then, you know, whether it be marketing or if it's engineering or if it's, it's whatever position you're in. Um, and then also to, to, we do serve our members as Beth said, and by serving the members, we ask the question a lot, what is it that's important to you? What should we be doing as the association to advance the industry? And so we have these volunteers that are able to actually kind of guide where we're going. Um, so we, we manage a lot of things, uh, but we're able to utilize our strengths in the right position um, naturally to help our, our members um, achieve their goals because that's what we're here to do. So I think that's one of the things that we've done really well and in past organizations is that making sure you get the right people in the in the right spot and i've i've seen people in the wrong position before and then we you you encourage them to maybe seek another role within the organization and then you watch them just just you know soar once they once you get them in the right spot absolutely and along those same lines can you can you kind of talk a little about how maybe your employees expectations around company culture maybe changed throughout your career um, yeah, I mean, if when you start again, when you look at a people grow, and one of the greatest things about managing people is watch them grow, uh, give them the tools and give them the direction and give them good on onboarding, and then kind of you know stand them back and just see what they what they come, turn into. Uh, there's a couple of people within our in our organization right now that have just really shined in the last few months, especially since we had our our convention. Um, this this uh, this winter, watching them step up and take a larger role, uh, and I think it's a testament to our culture and what you've taught us, and us as as management team, 
whether you're cross managing or it's a direct direct management role of just um, you know going to somebody and saying, "Hey, I need your help with something. Can you help me do this?" And as Beth said, they've stepped up and said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Um, and I don't have, they don't have to ask their boss. They don't have to go ask somebody else. They just like, "Yep, I'll grab it and I'll go and I'll take I'll take command of it and I'll do this do this very well." And so we're seeing some people really step up because we're giving them those tools and that freedom, and we've given them the direction. They know it's expected of them, and so I see that growth has been fantastic. That's awesome. And, you know, there's something to say about empowerment and aligning expectations and outlining, you know, what responsibilities people have and what that means and the impact they're doing and, you know, then empowering them to go do something. So, um, so that that's great. And it's great to hear. And, you know, Beth, in your opinion, what are some of the challenges that organizations in general are seeing? We've talked a little bit about communication, building trust, silos, um, what else is kind of going on out there in the current work environment and how is it negatively impacting culture? What do we need to be looking at? I think what I've found is I enjoy the um, hybrid approach to working. Um, I find I probably get a lot more done sometimes when I'm at home and don't have constant interruptions, but what's missing are sometimes those constant interruptions because folks are, you have to intentionally not be siloed. And so I find that sometimes if I'm in the office, I can just grab a few people, you know, to be able to solve a problem. Um, wherein if I'm remote, I have to, what I do is what I call still do a drive-by. I don't know if any or stuck, stick your head in someone's office um, is what you would call it. If you were in the office, I, um, like use teams and if their if their circle is green, they may hear from me. So I think what it is, you have to work harder at it, but you can do it. And um, working on intentional communication and collaboration and not, sometimes you think everybody knows something, but they don't because they're not, you're not together to learn, you know, to, to discuss it. So you just have to be more intentional about it, making sure everybody knows what's going on. Um, and, you know, the getting together. One thing that we do in the office is if there's a whole bunch of people in the office, we'll have lunch one day, you know. So we're trying to keep people so that they can have fun. But I think that's the hardest thing is when you don't have the opportunity in the current environment to just see people. It's not the same on video, but you have to work harder at it in order to make it successful for an organization. Absolutely. And that, you know, that intentionality is so very important, um, you know, and, and when we were all together full time before COVID is like, oh, I keep getting interrupted all day long. And you know, I can't get anything done. And now that we're not there and have that, we have to be more intentional, just like you said, about going in and we can't just go grab somebody, but we can make a phone call, set up a teams, like you said, and we have to be very intentional, right? As we're doing that. So we're not just wasting time there. So very insightful. And it, it kind of leads me to my next question. And, you know, me personally, as a leader in various levels of management, both corporate and association environments, I realized throughout my career how particularly important intentional communication, trust, intentionality is. And that's kind of why we, we talk about it when it comes into culture. 
And, you know, Randy, PCI has in place, as Beth said, a, a hybrid kind of remote work arrangement because of COVID. And as a newer member of the PCI leadership team, how do you go about intentionally building that trust with your team when you do not necessarily, you know, see them on a daily basis? Well, I've been I've been remote since 1990. So I was remote before remote was cool. Oh, wow. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I literally I was handed a, a phone book and a car keys, no cell phone, and and pointed, I got to point to Columbus, Ohio and says, that's your territory. Go sell precast concrete. And off I went, um, young and dumb and full of, you know, excitement. And, and, and I went out and just did it. So um, I've always had to, you know, you always had to, you know, not be afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody back then was, you know, phone calls, phone booths, um, but pick up the phone and call somebody and say, look, I've got a problem. I got to solve a problem. I need your help. So it's, it's always great. You know, again, personal conversation. We all love to help somebody. So when you start a conversation with, hey, I got a problem, I need some help. And if that person says, yeah, I really need to talk to this other person. Well, great. Let's talk to that person. Um, because I think other people on the receiving end of that phone conversation is saying, wow, he's he's not coming in with, you know, you know, coming in hot. He's coming in with with his hat in his hand, with his with his hands out saying, please help me get the job done for my customer. And then when you take people's advice um, and you start to modify your approach, including their approach, I guess we call that empathy, um, then you're able to start to build that collaboration. If it's my way or the highway, then it kind of sets up the barrier. But if it's about modifying, it's not, it's not, I always say it's not Randy's way, it's the best way. And the best way is usually a collaboration of, through a discussion by starting off by saying, hey, can you help me? So pick up the phone, uh, get on Teams, you know, make the conversation, trust that the other person is going to make time for you. They're going to give you the best, their best advice and help you move the ball down the road. Um, and when you have that kind of open, honest relationship with everybody across the, across the patch, then I think what you end up doing is you start building that camaraderie and things start to go in a, in a positive direction. So it goes back to, you know, our members see that they see us working as teams. They don't say, they, they never hear any of us saying, well, it's not my department, so-and-so's department. It's always, Hey, let me, let me call so-and-so and let's get them on the phone and then let's get your answer for you and let's solve your problem. So that that's kind of where it starts with me is you have to pick up the phone on your, by yourself, uh, humble yourself amongst your, your peers and then, and then work work collaboratively to get the get the uh, job done. Sure, and you know, intentional communication is so important. We've talked about that, but you know, what is some advice you can give to um, our listeners about you know, as a new manager or new leader, new director coming into a role, um, or maybe it's a hybrid work environment, or maybe it's a you know traditional you know we're there five days a week, um, eight hours a day. Um, how do you kind of set those guardrails up or those guidelines up with your team regarding, you know, how important intentional communication is, what good looks like um, as you come in as a new manager in that in that environment? What are some what are some pointers you have for our listeners around that? Uh, I For me, it's just always been making time. It's like with your kids, you know, all they really want is your time. You know, when they're when they're babies, they just need 15 minutes of your playtime in the floor and then they, they go away, dad. I'll see you in an hour. Uh, when they get to be teenagers, they just want the car keys, but they want to make sure they can get them from you. Uh, it's really about spending time with your with your coworkers, 
uh, and treating your staff as coworkers and not as subordinates. Um, I always start things with the why. Uh, I, I'm looking for this answer and this is why I need it. And then it's always, am I asking the right question? Because uh, sometimes you just don't, especially someone new coming in, you don't know what the working environment is. You you don't even know if you're asking the right question or the right person. Uh, so again, being humble and saying, uh, this is why I need this. And do I really need this? And have we done this before? How do we do it before? And and if that's the best way, then adapting to the situation instead of saying, well, when I worked at such and such, this is what we did. That to me is a big turnoff. Um you know, you're here now. So let's let's bring your skill set here, but we don't need to adapt somebody else's organizational processes. Um, it's about adapting to the situation and understanding, um, having some empathy, understanding how the other person's working, how they work, and then adapting your your strategy and your your process to them. Absolutely. Um, so what a lot of people don't understand, and you know, as we've been talking about COVID and PCI and all the great things you're doing, is that you know, or, .org Starts and I were kind of supporting PCI during COVID, as Beth mentioned a couple of times, which also happened to land in the middle of the construction and move to your new office building out by O'Hare Airport, which you're in now. Um, so not only were you faced with COVID, you're also faced with this huge, like, you know, transition from downtown Chicago to a build out of a new office space and everything that comes with that. And you guys went through it like with with flying colors, like no issues. And I can personally attest the fact that your team was one of the best, if not the best, at transitioning very quickly to that remote workforce arrangement when COVID started to impact the world and also allowed you to, you know, transition through that that construction phase. So, you know, Beth is a is a longer tenure member of the PCI leadership team. Can you talk a little bit about how the culture, while it wasn't perfect because we were still working on developing that, how the team culture within PCI at the time of all that played a role in the organization's ability to successfully transition from a traditional work environment to a more remote work environment that everyone was all of a sudden faced with? Well, I think the biggest word that I would use is part of that DNA, you know, document and also the culture that we've tried you know, we're putting in place is a level of trust. Um, that's one of the key components. Yes, you're right. When the pre-pandemic and you helped us through the move and there was a lot of, from some folks, a suspicion that if I don't see their butt in the seat, they're not working. You know, the fact that, in, the fact that we had to get a sense of trust that we trust our folks to do a job for which they are hired. And for some folks who are a little more old school, that took a little longer than others, but we have really made that transition well. We made sure that all of our staff had the equipment to be able to perform their jobs independent at home remotely. You know, we've got the communication tools of Zoom and, and Teams. We made sure everyone had a laptop. So we put them in a position to be able to succeed in their jobs by providing them with the equipment and the access that they needed. And to me, the biggest thing I have found, I know this is that I have to trust 
even though I don't see you, I trust that you are getting your job done. Because if you're not getting your job done, it's a performance issue. It's not an issue of whether or not you're in the office. And so that has taken us some time to transition to when you're more old school and you see people in the office five days a week, or you expect them in the office five days a week. So like I said, one of the major things is trust, empowerment for them to be able to do their job, give them the tools that they can. And that is something that I believe, you know, I don't know if Randy agrees, but I feel like that's kind of come out of our culture as we transition more from a sense of when I first started distrust to a sense of trust now. And I think that's very important. Absolutely. And you kind of touched on this, but during that time, did you find that you were significantly changing kind of your leadership approach to your team? Um, and if so, how did that impact your specific team culture? You know, it, it did. It helped me. I think one of the things Randy said earlier too is self-reflecting on your own style. Um, I would say that in the past, I probably micromanaged more than I do now. Uh, now, and it's 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 a change in my style that I've learned over the last few years. But also, if I want to keep my staff and empower them then my style needed to change. And I, as Randy said earlier, I have seen not just my staff, but the team, other teams kind of, is it Bloom, is that the right uh, name? I, I just think that they feel that by being empowered more, they are able to deliver to the members more and the a sense of trust in my not micromanaging has really helped in that way, even though it is hard to do at times. Did we lose you, Kevin? Oh, are you still there? I'm sorry. So, yeah. you know, that that approach to leadership going from that micromanagement to kind of more of a, you know, empowered kind of role um, or approach to your team. I mean, that's tough. And you've had a very successful career, Beth. And I, I think that, you know, having to make that transition, that that's very insightful for our listeners too. You know, that self-awareness is key. How do I need to adjust to not only the situation I'm in, but also so I can continue to support my team um, and I think, as you as you said, you know, it's, it's been, it was very impactful and um, you guys continue to do such a great job. Um, and especially in a department like yours, where you're there supporting kind of the rest of the organization from the financial side point and also some some HR yeah. stuff, administrative stuff, too. So. We joke in operations that nobody loves us, but uh, <laughs> but we do support the rest of the many of the other areas of the organization and. My folks, and I believe Randy can attest to, really love what they're doing and being able to provide for the rest of the organization and our members. Absolutely. So just to kind of wrap things up, Randy, you know, I got a couple more questions for both of you, but what are a couple of things our audience can kind of take with them from today's podcast about how to start or continue to build a supportive culture within their organization? What are some of those things that um, they can do? Um, that's a good question. Um, I like action statements. I mean, philosophical is great. 
uh, writing things on the board and have people sitting around the room and, you know, wordsmith a mission statement or a vision statement and pat yourselves on the back is, is, is always fun in games, especially over, you know, tequila. But the, um, I go back to, and I've read this through a couple of books, but I think the, the originator was, uh, HP's David Packard. I think he talked about managing by walking around today's term, today's, you know, hybrid situation that most people are in, um, is to really just build relationships with your team members. So you're not really looking for gotchas. You're not really looking for your best buddy. You're not really looking for your bowling pal or your hunting friend. What you're doing is you're you're looking for um, ways that you can interact with your with your employees and with your coworkers. So and you're consciously seeing how the people in your facility are interacting with each other. You know, how are they moving? Are they, are they, are they, especially in a plant situation or a manufacturing or a construction site? Um, are there, are there a lot of uh, lean management type of movements that, that can be, uh, can, can benefit the individual when it comes to either their, their, their ergonometric way that they're actually doing their job? Uh, it's, 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 it's how you organize a job site, how you organize your plant, how you organize your facility. Is it, is it safe? Uh, are you are you sharing uh, in the activity? So maybe somebody's not doing the complete physical activity for eight hours a day, five days a week. Maybe share some of the more physical activities. Uh, maybe you make sure that you know this person's really good with carpentry. And we got him over in the metal shop. Maybe that we should change that. Uh, this person's really a, a great extrovert. Why do we have them pigeonholed in accounting, just doing number bookkeeping? We should have them more out in in HR. So uh, it's really good that. You know, managers get around and they walk around. And again, you're not looking for gotchas. That's the big thing. If most employees uh, in, a, in a negative culture, when they see a manager come in, their heads are down. Um, the idea of interacting with your folks and, and asking the right questions about what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Um, are you comfortable talking to me? Are you comfortable talking to your manager? Do we need to, to hire some third party person that you can you can speak with? So when, when the, those employees, it takes a long time, it might take six months, it might take a year or two, but the idea is if, if the employees and, and coworkers feel that their efforts are valued, then that, that barrier is going to start breaking down. And then you're able to start to develop these relationships and these trusts and people can start sharing with you like, yeah, this really isn't the best calculator to use. This isn't the best computer program to use. This isn't the best tool to use. Um, and you're able to actually start aligning people in the right spots and, and that culture will start to shift. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to me that we keep coming back to alignment, right? Mm -hmm. We keep coming back to, um, you know, are our, our, our people and our teams that we're managing, are they aligned with the purpose of, of the organization of the department? Are they aligned with you know, my expectations, am I aligned with their expectations? And so I think that that's very insightful the way you put that, um, because it, it comes back to that alignment. It starts with communication and building trust and the things that we've talked about on here. So uh, that that's just fantastic. And, you know, Beth, a similar question for you is, you know, what are some of the leading indicators um, our audience can be looking for that can help them determine if their current culture is either making a positive impact or making a negative impact within their organization? What are some of the, the kind of leading indicators that they can say, hey, maybe there's something here I should look into? Well, a um, couple of the things that I thought of was, are there silos? Are the folks who need to know, learn, 
are they in the know of what they need to learn about? Um, if you've got folks who, who are like, I didn't know that, but it impacts their job, then there's a communication problem. If it impacts somebody's job, that someone's job, they should be in the know. Another thing that I think that we found at PCI is one of the biggest frustrations from a staff person could be whether or not you provide them with the tools to, to be successful in their role. And if you don't, then that can lead to um, dissatisfaction in the organization that you don't give, you, you have an expectation of me, but you're not giving me the tools to do what I need. So there's a disconnect there between what are the outcomes you want and do we have the ability to perform? But one of the things I think is biggest is, is the organization as a whole, and I mean this with staff and maybe your board, is it rowing in the same direction? If you, you know, the, to use that terminology. Because if there's a disconnect between different parts of your organization and your board, then you're then, then you're not working to make the whole organization successful. And that's part of your culture is being in it together to be able to provide the best to your members. And if you're not, if your organization is not, then that's something you better work on because the organization, it may or may not last depending upon, um, I don't want to seem that dire, but we're also finding that some of the folks who are coming into our workplace these days have a different kind of expectation of how the workplace will be. And we need to be mindful of that as we move our cultures forward. Absolutely. And, and it seems to be changing all the time. Right. And, and I know that, you know, I wasn't going to get into this today, but since you kind of brought it up, I mean, that was a pretty significant decision that, that you guys at PCI decided to include this culture information in even your job descriptions. Right. And so people understand when they're applying for jobs or they obviously get the job, they can have that conversation with the hiring manager about this is what good looks like. This is what culture looks like. So how has that kind of impacted and, and helped, you know, bring people on board um, with PCI? We, as we've had some open positions, um, we have found that some of the applicants, that's a question they're asking. How is your culture? How do your, you know, do you guys, I don't necessarily use the word fun, but we've had several that want to know. And one of the things that, our um, president has done is with new hires, sat down and gone through the culture document on within their first week or so. So they understand that this is what we are trying to aspire to. And it's to help hope that they and help them buy into it. Absolutely. And, and I think that that it goes back to that alignment, you know, you're aligning people with the expectations of your culture from the very beginning when they get as they go through the onboarding process and even in the, the interview process in some cases. So um, that, that's really kind of a step above kind of next level kind of things that you can do with this culture. And 
you know, Randy, I'll, I'll end this question or in the episode with you is, is kind of, have you been able to utilize that culture document to have some maybe difficult conversations with your team? And you don't have to use names, obviously, or have you been able to use that, that culture document and the specifics around it to help kind of, you know, make sure your team is on the same page when maybe there's a, a conflict that comes up or there's a discussion around culture that, that relates to it? Uh, yes and no. Um, uh, and I say yes and no because I haven't specifically gone to the document that says, hey, per our culture document DNA, you know, item number three, well, we haven't done it that way. But I think the because we have spent a, you know a lot of time as leadership team, you know, reviewing the document, applying the document, and com- communicating that to our team members uh, directly and indirectly, our direct team members and, and team members other teams, we're able to refer back to the individuals in, in regards to this is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is this for our members. So to serve our members, we all need to be on the same page and we need tools to do that. And we found that we couldn't get on the same page for certain events or certain activities. We've implemented uh, project management tools and we're that way people can, can use those tools to identify who's accountable for the, the pieces and the parts so that we make sure that the whole uh, for our members, that the whole activity is, is performed on time, on budget. And what we're finding is when we we do that, empowering people to say, hey, you're responsible for items 5, 10, and 22. They can say, well, you know what? I think I can really blow up item 22 to really be something bigger than what it's ever been before. So giving people that roadmap and the visual of seeing what their role is in the bigger picture has has allowed them to really expand with their skill set and then be empowered to go off and, and do something that's never been done at PCI before, which ties back into aligning with our mission and our vision, to serving our members, asking our members if this is valuable to them. When the members say yes, we do it. And then we have greater member satisfaction. So the root is there. It's just not as as blatant or as, uh, you know, we can't really pinpoint it, but it, it's, it's, it's there and it lives and breathes through us almost daily. Absolutely. And, it, you know, to kind of wrap this up, it, it, it's alignment again, right? We've talked the alignment, we've talked trust, we've talked empowerment, we've talked, you know, accountability, communication, um, and having a document like that or your culture clearly defined, why you won't hold it up, like you said, and say it's point two, you know, number three on there or whatever, you at least have something that's kind of your foundation, right? For your, for your organization. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate you kind of diving into that a little bit, because I think it's so very important as we continue to, you know, build that common language even around our culture so that as things are challenging it, um, we have, you know, a basis to go on and it takes some of the emotion out of it even. And we, and we're constantly, you know, reviewing that. So, um, so I want to thank you both, um, Beth and Randy, for your time today. Um, I think all three of us could probably sit here and, and talk about this topic for hours. Um, but I appreciate your insight and thoughts uh, for today's episode. Uh, we also really appreciate your trust in .org source to continue to help support your team and organization. And we all definitely you know, look forward to continuing to provide you that support into the future. Um, and I'd also like to thank our listeners. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and appreciate you listening. Um, and to meet 
other leaders like Beth and Randy and to continue the conversation around why culture is important to the advancement of your organization, please consider joining us for one of our upcoming .org community think tanks, um, which will be held virtually on June 28th, July 12th, July 26th, and August 9th. And there's more information available on the .org community, or I'm sorry, orgcommunity.com website if you're interested in looking into that. So Thank you both very much for your time today. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you and um, I appreciate your time and joining us on the Association 4.0 podcast. And with that, thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.